Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for joining us once again, but this is episode eight of the Ball on Blast podcast, which just like the original On Blast podcast, we are still unpolished and unapologetic. And I am here, as always, with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's going on? Hey, it's Thursday night, TNT. And what do you know what? Sixers are playing a little primetime basketball. <laughs> the Sixers on primetime. Webby, it must feel like the early 2000s with AI running up and down again, eh? I'd love to get my hands on a uh, Simmons or an Embiid black throwback Sixers jersey. Interesting, interesting. Okay, okay, okay. Well, we, in this modern age of the NBA, I guess who is running and gunning the league right now is the Golden State Warriors. And it's funny, Webby, because, you know, early this season, I think we made the statement, I think I made the statement on this podcast that, you know, people are so focused on the fact that the Warriors are going to win the championship. And so why do you need to pay attention? Because it's so boring. You just know they're going to blow everyone out. And I made the statement, hey, if you just don't pay attention to the Warriors as they blow out teams throughout the whole season, the rest of the NBA is really fun. Now, I was correct about the rest of the NBA being fun, but I was wrong about the Golden State Warriors and not paying attention to them because you have to pay attention to the Warriors because they are crazy right now. And we're going to get to let – me, let me give you a little rundown first of what's going on in this episode, but we'll talk a little Warriors. We'll talk the Cavs, a little LeBron James action. We'll hit up some LeVar Ball, of course, who's still in the news with the Ball family. We also got some Raptors talk. We'll talk the Raptors youth movement. And of course, the Sixers corner, because there was a big trade. A big trade. I don't know about big trade, but there was a... We'll, we'll discuss. We'll discuss. That's a tease. That's a tease. We'll discuss. We'll discuss. I like that you're fired up, though. I, you, you got fired up. I like it. I like it, Webby. I like it. I got opinions. <laughs> got takes. We got takes, eh? Okay. So, first up, we'll start off this episode with the turn up, turn down segment. And as I mentioned, things are just going crazy with the Warriors right now. We know Steph Curry's out with an ankle injury. He'll be out for a couple weeks. They're getting ejections are everywhere, whether it's KD, whether it's Sean Livingston and the ref. Things are just going crazy right now for the Warriors. So our first turn up or turn down segment, which works very simply, Webby, it's just simply turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. First topic, the Warriors need to chill. Webby, turn up or turn down? Turn down on this. The Warriors don't need to chill. Like we said, like we've been saying since early on in the season. It seems like these Warriors have a different edge to them. Oh, you know, the yeah. Bad guys, Warriors. Yeah. And it seems like they, they're really starting to embrace this bad guy, Warriors persona. Now, like, they're going to, in this next couple of weeks, is going to be very interesting without, uh, you know, the golden boy, Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. But this could be a, a really good opportunity to, to see this team, you know, gel in different ways. And and like I say, like we talked about uh, towards the beginning of the year, if they can really adapt, uh, like adopt this kind of weird edge that they have to them, it could make them even more of a dangerous team once it gets into the postseason. I mean, if, if they can really become kind of a bully ball team without Curry, and I don't mean bully ball like a like the Pistons used to be. <laughs> yeah. They can get an edge to them. I think that that's going to help them down the stretch. So you're saying turn down on this. I'm saying turn up. The Warriors need to chill for sure. Just because some of the some of the things I'm seeing right now, like Sean Livingston going head-to-head with the ref, like I understand that some of that was the ref's fault, but think about what needs to be said to a referee that he's going to go head-to-head, face-to-face, with Sean Livingston in an NBA basketball game. Like, I've never seen that before. But these guys are getting technicals at a level that's just crazy. They're getting thrown out of games like crazy. Kevin Durant's trying to fight Boogie Cousins, which, like, KD, 
that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, like that alone should be turn up. The Warriors need to chill. Kevin Durant trying to fight Boogie, like you're not about that life, KD. We know that already. And like Boogie would wash most dudes in the NBA. No, like I don't think you want to fight Boogie. But yeah, I feel like this bad guy, as you're saying, though, it's a persona that they're trying to put on. Kind of like when, remember uh, LeBron? When he first went, and, yes, and they were like, oh, we're going to embrace being the villain. And how long did that last, right? It didn't last that long, but it was just because they were trying to embrace the hate. But nobody really wants to be hated, except maybe to use your your reference you used already, uh, Bill Lane Beer and the Pistons. Those guys, right? Like, they enjoyed being hated. But here's the difference between uh, LeBron and that villain comment and what's going on with the Warriors now is that it's working for the Warriors. It's not like they're suffering at all with, with this persona. But it seems to be working for them. The one thing I will say, though, Webby, with all this is, is like, because one of the questions I have is, can this affect them down the stretch? You know what I mean? Like, does Steve Kerr kind of need to, like, step in and be like, hey, guys, you know, like, we don't want to be known as a team that's always arguing with the refs. We don't want to be, like, that kind of team. Teams are already going to be gunning for the Warriors already. Do you really want to give them that little extra oomph of, like, you know, pretending to be the bad guys against them? I don't I don't know. And I also think the biggest thing is their margin of error is is less, just because, like, I think it's less than what the Heat were, just because I think the talent is is so much closer than it was even a year ago. And we're seeing this with the Rockets right now. I'm not saying the Rockets – I'm saying the Rockets can give them a series. And I don't know if you want to play the fake tough guy role when that's not really your game. That's all I'm saying. I understand that too. But the other thing is you can't continue with the status quo. Mm-hmm. They've been doing this for years and years and years now. This is like their fourth go-around is really this super team of, you know, the highest-scoring uh, team in the league, mm-hmm. just bombing threes, Splash Brothers, you know, winning games here and there all the time. And, and if you stay with this status quo and the persona of your team, uh, teams are going to figure you out. But if you kind of adapt to what your team is going through, and evolve along with the changes that are going on with your team, I think that can give you another dimension. So whereas teams look at the Warriors and say, okay, well, we kind of know what we're going to get with this team. Now you see them shift and, like you say, get a little more physical, get a little more uh, jabbering with the refs. It it can take some teams and and show them a different angle of what you're trying to do as Warriors. So like I say, I'm, I don't think they need to chill. I think they need to turn up this. Uh, I think the Warriors need to turn up on this kind of uh, assholishness. <laughs> assholishness. I like that. I like it. Like, and I'm not a big Warriors guy, you know? Like, yeah. I thought Durant was kind of a coward for going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not a Steph Curry guy. I guess the, the, the only guy on this team that I really, really like is, is Draymond. Yeah. But, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see them kind of adopt Draymond's persona. Like, yeah. I keep using the same word, but it's like I think he's the straw that stirs the drink there. And I think he's the guy that the rest of the team can take pages from, like Livingston is, like we've seen Durant start to do now too. And like, listen, you're going to get a technical, you're going to get thrown out of the game. That's fine. We're still in the early stages of the season. It's setting a good tone for the Warriors, a more physical tone, and a tone that says that they're not going to take any BS from anybody. I like what you said there, Webby, because you know what? It kind of reminds me of, you know, that old story, uh, someone, one of MJ's former teammates, maybe it was Kerr or maybe it was Scottie Pippen, but we've heard this story multiple times about how Michael Jordan always needed something to give him a little bit of an edge, right? Because he was the best player by far. He was never really like, he wasn't challenged on a night-to-night basis, so he would find these little things just to get them going. Could we be watching the same thing kind of happen with the Warriors, you know, where they're they're trying to find things that keep them interested or, or you know, like get them going for these regular season games that really don't mean much to them in the grand scheme of things, right? Could we be watching something like that? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think it does. It kind of gives them another, uh, you know, uh, like you said, more motiv- motivation to get up for these games against mm-hmm. the Pelicans. And- <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and, like, they've been down this road before by just jacking up threes and winning these games by 100 points, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
But now this seems to kind of get the juices flowing again for this team and kind of brings them together. You're never going to get a Warriors team that's us against the world, right? Yeah. No one's ever going to say that about the Warriors. So what do you do? You create that, right? Whether it's us against the refs, us against Boogie, us against these terrible calls, you know? I got you. I got you. Well, they're, they're going to get a test for the next little while. As we mentioned just now that Steph Curry's out for – what are they saying? At least two weeks, at least a couple weeks. Weeks, but like on a, in a walking boot on crutches, and he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. I think that was the word from from Woj, who appears to be the the god when it comes to NBA uh, information. But it leads me to another question. Okay, so we saw last night their first game uh, without Steph, and Draymond also didn't play. But Kevin Durant went for he went off. He went for 35, 11, and ten, and a huge win, one hundred one eighty seven in Charlotte. And as I said, Steph and Draymond didn't play. But it brings up an interesting point. I'd like to get your take on this. Of those guys, who do you think is the most important piece to that team? Is it Steph, KD, or Draymond? As much as I love Draymond, and I think that he is the guy that kind of, like like I say, stirs the drink here and, mm-hmm. and brings the passion of the team, I think it's Steph. Ooh. And I think if they don't have Steph for a long period of time, and if he's not, I, I know there's a lot of time before we get in the postseason, but I think that if he's not right mm-hmm. with the ankle in the postseason, then they could be in a lot of trouble. I mean, you, you bring up a great point again because – Really, when they lost the one year they did lose to the Cavs, Steph Curry, that was the year that Steph Curry was also hobbled during that playoff run and came back into the fight. Came back, I think, maybe with a couple games left in the conference finals. I think that was the year, right? And uh, yeah, so maybe you are right there. It's super interesting, though, because I keep thinking that, you know, if they lost Draymond, you're losing like the, the anchor of your defense. I think you're losing like your emotional leader. And whether it was KD or Steph, I feel like the other one and Clay Thompson could make up the scoring. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Draymond has a good case. That's one guy you didn't bring up is Clay. He is so underrated and and does so much for that team, mm-hmm. not just with the shot, but with the defense as well. Yeah. That he could be the answer. It's going to be great. And I mean, I love that. You know, we're getting the the Warriors are making this season super interesting, right? Like I, I love that because it's just adding another storyline to the NBA as we've been talking about. That's been so great. And I was saying, you know, it's been great without the Warriors doing shit, and the Warriors have been so entertaining. So it's just adding to this great season of NBA basketball. And the guy who might be at the top of this is our next topic in turn up, turn down again. We make a statement, turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. And this time, this comes up because we are now a quarter way through the season. So, question is, after 13 wins in a row, <laughs> LeBron is MVP. Webby, turn up or turn down? Uh, you know, like, uh, now, the last thing I want to do here, Shelly, is for us to, I'm glad that we disagreed on the first, on the first one. <laughs> okay. Because we're going to agree on that. Okay, I understand that James Harden, you know, number one in scoring, I think, and, and number two in assists per game, but your MVP this season so far through the first quarter of the games is, is LeBron. On a night-to-night basis, there's nobody more fun to watch in the NBA than LeBron James. I really don't understand how LeBron is doing this. And you're definitely right. We are both going to turn up on this because I'm going to agree with you. LeBron is definitely the MVP so far this season. And beyond being like saying that he's the best player right now in the NBA, take a second and take a step back and think about what this guy is doing, right? Because he is now entering his what year 15. He's about to turn 33. I think it is. Yeah, so like in this season, right? 33, yeah, he's about to turn 33. And this guy is playing the best basketball of his career. Like I had to look up the stats and look it up to make sure that it was correct. But through 25 games, LeBron is off to the best start of his career, averaging 28.2 points, 8.6 assists, and 8 rebounds per game. Again, in year 15, about to turn 33, LeBron James is having the best season, the best start to his season in his career. That doesn't make sense to me at all. And 
I don't know really how we ended up here. Like I know preseason, we did talk about the fact that we thought LeBron was going to have an NBA uh, an MVP type season, and he surpassed my expectations. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. But then again, I'm not surprised. <laughs> my expectations, but I'm not surprised at how well he's playing. The other thing that's crazy is just look at this team that he has. Yeah. And, and I think that it might be one of the worst teams that LeBron James has had. It's got to be his worst team since the Jamario Moon team, right? Jamario Moon, wow. No, I don't think this team is that bad at all. He lost Kyrie Irving. He lost Kyrie Irving. Dwayne Wade is washed, but Kevin Love is putting in work, especially like the last few games. Kevin Kevin Love, they moved him to the five. LeBron is playing, I don't know, some form of point guard slash power forward slash every other position on the floor. I don't even know what, what position you would try to call LeBron James at this point because he's doing everything. But that combination of him and Kevin Love have just been crazy. Somehow they're getting something off of Je- from Jeff Green, who I thought was who was that Jeff Green's been really like underrated for the team. It's crazy. But it's definitely the worst Cleveland team that he's had since he came back. And it's nowhere like and it's definitely not as good as any of the Heat team that he had. It's gotta be his worst team in the last six, seven years, right? It's so weird because maybe like we 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 kind of touched on it last week, I think it was when we were talking about how many minutes LeBron James is playing this year and how ridiculous it is, and so maybe he kind of got forced into this, like having to go ham. Because there's there's a quote here from uh, Channing Fry, right? Channing Fry, who's now played with LeBron for what this would be his third year, I'm pretty sure, playing in Cleveland with LeBron. And Channing Fry said this, which I found super interesting. He said, "Quote: Well, everyone was acting like, hey." This is not playoff LeBron. Usually LeBron gives you about 60%. He's about 80% LeBron, and it's looking effortless. So pretty scary. Like, this is LeBron at 80%. That's cr- like that. I know, like, he's probably exaggerating, but still, like, we know that there's a different level from regular season LeBron to playoff LeBron to Golden State Warriors NBA Finals LeBron, right? Like, we know there's levels to that. And he kind of had to hit that extra gear earlier with no it with them trying to sort out you know the washness of Dwayne wade and how that team would all fit together but webby he's added a three-point shot to his game like the, the step back the other this oh so fire Absolutely insane. so fire the only thing is now is we mentioned the age and how many minutes he's played at what point does lebron rest does he does he take the two week vacation that he's that he's taken before? It's interesting because I think it depends on when IT comes back, right? Because they're going to need enough time to play together with IT, right, and like sort all that before you get to the playoffs. So it's it's it'll be interesting because you know what are normally considered the dog days of the NBA season, right? It's like kind of after the All Star break. But February, February, March, kind of, right? Like just before you you get into like where it's uh, the race, I guess, for seeding when you're jockeying for seeding, which if you're LeBron, you don't really care about. But I think you kind of got to get IT back, get at least 15, 20 games, 25 games with IT. You know what I mean? To like really figure out certain things, how you guys are going to play off each other, what you're going to do when the other one has the ball. How are you going to sort out your rotation? A rotation which, did you catch how LeBron said he thinks they're going to be fine because he's been messing around on 2K with different lineups? <laughs> it's just like, this guy is just, it, it's it's LeBron's world right now. It really is. As, as further emphasized with uh, that same three you were just talking about, Webby, that he hit to ice the game against the Kings they're playing against, right? Yeah, it was the Kings. And supposedly in the huddle, Ty Lue called the play and LeBron was just like, no, 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 just give me the ball over here. <laughs> like, this is... But like, what play are you going <laughs> to give LeBron the ball in that situation? I'm pretty sure the play was called for LeBron. It was just like at another point, like a, he was supposed to get the ball at another spot on the court. I think anyways, that's what it was. Like it was supposed to go to LeBron, but it was supposed to go like on another spot on the court. And he was like, no, 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 just give me the ball over here. <laughs> and yeah, that's end result. Splash. 
LeBron doing work. I mean, it's crazy. I'm going to say it every week, too. This is, a, this is a team that has a move to make. Like, I'm just waiting for them to pull the trigger or for the rumor to come out about who they're looking at because you know the GM LeBron, like you say, has been tinkering around with NBA 2K18. <laughs> I want to know who he's been trading for in the video game to see who they'd be looking at in the NBA. The one thing, though, right, is, oh, you're totally right. You're totally right about that because we've mentioned the DeAndre Jordan rumors are starting to to gain a little steam. Uh, we talked last week about is Marcus Gasol available, and that really didn't get shut down completely as the week went along, you know. So maybe you're right, and, and what are they going to do with this draft pick? I don't know. Like it, it's super interesting because Tristan's supposed to be on his way back soon, and you would assume that if Tristan's supposed to be involved in whatever potential trade offer, he's going to need to come back and at least play somewhat. Yeah, so that he show that he has some value, which is going to be interesting because of all the success that this team has had right now with Kevin Love playing so many minutes at the five. Do you want to ruin that or mess with that? I guess you kind of have to, right? I mean, the win streak's at 13 right now. Who knows how long it's going to go, but it's just been a treat to watch. And the one downside to all this, LeBron love, is could we be looking at another season where James Harden is just going crazy again and leading the Rockets, having the Rockets surpass expectations again, only to be beat out by it for MVP by just last year, obviously, it was Russ's crazy year. And this year could be like LeBron's crazy year because of what he's doing at this age. Honestly, for the Rockets, I don't think that it matters. And for Harden, I don't think that MVP matters. Hmm. I think getting to the to the conference finals in the West, I think that's what matters. You're probably right, my dude. And especially adding Chris Paul, that probably adds a little added motivation, right? Because that's a vet guy, obviously, a future Hall of Famer that wants nothing more than to get to an NBA Finals or get to a conference finals, something that he's never done in his career. So super interesting uh, to see just how that whole thing will play out with James Harden, with LeBron, and see if they will be battling down to the wire for the MVP race. So to wrap that one up. Can we also give the Rockets a huge shout out for attempting like 43 pointers (laughs) a game? Yeah. If you are not watching Rockets games right now, I, I would I would advise you to if you're if you're a claim to be a fan of the NBA, or if you're just one of those people that live in Canada and so unfortunately you're restricted to whatever terrible Raptor games they happen to keep showing and no other games allowed to be on the air while a Raptor game's on, do yourself a favor and find some Houston Rocket games. Because, I mean, what they're doing right now, especially since Chris Paul has come back, I think they're like 7-0, but they're blowing out teams by like 21 points per game. <laughs> like, it's just stupid what they're doing right now. And it's not even just the offensive end, because they're leading the league in offensive and defensive rating, which is absolutely insane. What the Rockets are doing are totally crazy. So, yes, definitely let's give a shout-out to the Houston Rockets for what they're doing so far in this season, leading the West right now. Hopefully they can keep it up so that we are entertained some more during this season. I think that Houston and the Celtics have combined to lose like eight games combined or something. Such a crazy start to the season. And speaking of crazy, that moves us to our next next topic here, which this is kind of a hybrid. Right? This is kind of a, a hybrid turn up, turn down, because, I mean, it also has to be the Feed Me segment. Because anytime you tweet out a GIF or GIF, however you want to pronounce it, GIF is a proper term. Oh, no, it's got to be GIF. There's already something called GIF. <laughs> Thank you, Webby. I appreciate that. Do you know what it is? I always feel like I know. And then whenever I'm about to say it, I then second guess myself. And then I get confused. That's what happens. I just got to have the confidence. The confidence of LeVar Ball. See what I did there? That was a segue. Right? There we go. There's a segue. So, as I said, this is kind of a hybrid because it's also the Feed Me segment. Because here's LeVar Ball tweeting out pictures of him dunking on the president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. And this is just maybe, what, 
maybe the second, maybe the third craziest thing LeVar Ball has done this week alone. Like it's what a week it's been for LeVar. First off, the Lakers are enforcing what they're now calling the LeVar Ball rule in which if you are an invited guest of a player on the team, you are no longer allowed to speak to the media before or after a game, but which is, which is kind of dumb because I'm pretty sure they can find LeVar Ball if they need to find LeVar Ball elsewhere. Yeah, I have a feeling that his number isn't that tough to get a hold of. Yes. Uh, he, as shown by the fact that he was making the rounds, he was on CNN, he was on the Today Show, he was doing all kinds of stuff. But maybe the, well, I can't even say the biggest news because, again, he was trying to now beef with the president of the United States on Twitter. So let's move that aside for a second. <laughs> Other than that, the other big news is that LeVar Ball has pulled his son, LiAngelo Ball, out of UCLA. And in case you needed a reminder, LiAngelo Ball is the second son of the trilogy of the Ball family. And LiAngelo Ball is the one that was caught stealing or shoplifting on UCLA's trip to China. He was serving an indefinite suspension, and now LeVar Ball has decided to pull him out of school. LeVar himself claims that he can better get LiAngelo better prepared for the NBA draft than UCLA can. So he pulled him out of UCLA. To which Woj, again, the god of the NBA information, tweeted out, Ex-UCLA freshman LiAngelo Ball has no chance that he'll be drafted in June, and that was true before his shoplifting incident in China. Quote, he's not on any of our scouting lists, even the extended lists, one GM told ESPN. Curse of the middle child there. So that was just the first Woj bomb, just deflating LiAngelo's NBA hopes, saying his second tweet, Ball will struggle to find a serious job playing pro basketball, including the G League. He was projected. So Mike Schmitz, who is obviously his job is projecting high schoolers, says he projected him in high school as a small ball stretch foreman at a mid-major college level. Would make sense for Ball to find a scholarship at a lower level and stay in school. Obviously, LeVar Ball is not about that life. LeVar Ball's new plan is to not only take LiAngelo, but also LaMelo Ball, and they both now have signed with Lonzo's agent with the goal to find a team overseas that will play both of them at the same time. At the same damn time. This means there's no chance of LaMelo, the youngest son, who is 16 years old, and in case you didn't in case you've forgotten, LeVar has pulled him out of high school because he can better prepare him to get to the NBA than the high school in Chino Hills. So now, because of this, if this goes through, actually, LaMelo can't go to university or college because he would be signing with an agent. So again, this hybrid feed me slash turn up, turn down topic of the Ball family. Webby, here's a statement. LeVar Ball needs to go away. Turn up or turn down. It's so exhausting, this family. There's a lot going on, I know. There's a lot going down. Um, you know what, I'm going to turn down on LeVar Ball's got to go away. Okay. I like, I like we, we, we've, we've come out pretty positively for LeVar here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We, we like LeVar. Uh, and and I, I, we think that he's doing the best for his family. In his yeah. mind, right? Most of the time. But here's who's got to get out of here. Angelo and LaMelo. <laughs> and listen, you can try and wish your kids into the NBA all you want, but they don't have it. They don't have it. And listen, I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching Lonzo right now on the Lakers, and we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago. Is this kid a bust? And this is one of the. This kid was the third overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, second, 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 second. overall pick in the draft. One of the best college basketball players in the country last year. Yeah, he, there was no question that Lonzo Ball was an amazing basketball player. He earned the right to play in the NBA, but it seems like that with Leangelo and Lamelo, it's like LeVar is trying to force these kids down our throat, trying to force them into the NBA. And if it's, he's got to understand now, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Now, good luck with the Ball family 
try to get these kids playing together in China at the same damn time? Well, I don't think he can go to China, right? He can't go to China. So where can they go? Europe? I guess he's trying to try to go to Europe, which makes no sense, really, because if you know anything about European basketball, they don't really play kids. Even if they think the kids are better, like every story you've heard of, whether it was, uh, uh, no, 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 but I'm saying like even European prospects that end up coming over here and going high in the NBA draft, when you look at their numbers, their numbers aren't ever that good because in those leagues, they play the grown ass men. They don't play the kids that often. So, I mean... I have no idea what is with this plan at all, but I hope this isn't the case. But I've always said from the beginning that I always wondered if deep down he's almost like hedging his bet, right? So if they're not that good, he's at least given them a platform to which they are going to make some type of money off of the game of basketball. Now, is it going to be the millions and millions of dollars of you know if they had the talent and skill of let's say a ben simmons or the 90 million dollars lebron james signed when he first went to the nba no but if he's able to come up with something like if they're selling some shoes which i don't know how this those sales are going we have no idea how that's going but if they're a big baller brand yeah not the uh here. But I'm saying whatever money that he's able to bring in right now for that big baller brand for Leangelo and LaMelo, and like if they're not that good and he's still able to give them some kind of money, there's some kind of income from this whole charade, that's still a win for LeVar Ball, right? It's not the win that he told us it was going to be. It's not the win that some people fell for, but I think he kind of hedged his bet because would we even be talking about LiAngelo Ball if his dad wasn't LeVar? We wouldn't even know who LiAngelo Ball is. Lonzo Ball probably still would have been a prospect, but I don't know if he would have been as highly touted of a prospect if not for LeVar Ball. And so if what if him like being this loud and what some people say is an obnoxious person, put his son in a position to where he was gassed up in people's heads to be the number two pick, to get signed to the Lakers, to get that first rookie deal, which is worth millions, by the way. Didn't LeVar kind of win? Oh, yeah. Well, like, listen, LeVar's winning. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's the part that people miss, right? Like, people are missing the fact that if – like, he already got one of his sons to the NBA. That's already a win. And so even if Lonzo isn't good, to me, that just tells me, damn, LeVar did a good job because he hoodwinked a lot of people. But here's the thing. Lonzo is good. See, I don't, I, I'm don't. i still waiting to see that. But we'll, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. We know that Lonzo's good. We watch Lonzo be one of the best college basketball players in the country. You're right. I'll give you that. He's a, he will be a solid NBA player. You're right. All right, but here's the thing: LiAngelo isn't good. No, <laughs> no. You know, Lamelo might be. I'm not sure. He's 16. Who knows, right? Pretty confident that LiAngelo isn't good. Yeah. And this is going to be the real challenge for LeBron: is that you, with Lonzo, he, you know, he got the talent in this kid. Like, who are gonna? Who's gonna sign these guys as anything other than a gimmick? You know what I mean? I, and I wonder how much that's even going to be worth. I wonder, like, how that... Teams are going to want to make that leap. I mean, we already talked today about the LeVar Ball rule. Yeah. How many other teams are going to want to come out and say, okay, well, we now have to have a LeVar Ball rule because we've got one of these ball kids on our team. Well, it's true, right? Because I think the Lakers... Obviously, they were making the trade-off. They knew what was coming, that LeVar was part of the package. But you're willing to deal with that if the number two pick overall and yeah, if the number two pick overall in the draft lives up to that billing, then you're willing to live with LeVar Ball saying stupid shit in the media, right? But if, you know, Lonzo's getting shoved to the bench or, you know, if there's a new Kuzma in town, right? Like, and the focus isn't necessarily on Lonzo Ball and he's kind of faded into the background, then LeVar questioning your coaching skills isn't really going to be tolerated at all, right? Exactly. What is next? What do you think happens next for, you know, the Ball family? Do you think LeVar will ever, like, just fade off quietly? No. That's not what LeVar Ball was ever going to do. I said that and I couldn't even get it out without laughing. 
did you see him on CNN, by the way, with Chris Cuomo? The, the most recent one that I did. <laughs> he was like, he was, t- so, ob- and this time was way better because Cuomo was in on the joke more, right? So he was almost, it was almost like they were doing, I think I tweeted it out, right? That I couldn't tell if I was watching CNN or SNL because it seemed like Cuomo was in on the bit this time. I should play it. I should get this clip and play it right now for you, actually. I'm going to do that. Give me two seconds, Webby. You can go ahead, go ahead. I'll bring it up. What were you going to say? How much longer is it going to take until the ball has his own show on CNN? Whoa. Yeah, see, I don't know. No, he he needs a sidekick, right? Like, I don't think Lavar can carry the bit on his own. I think he needs uh, he needs like a sidekick for sure, and he's kind of the someone to set him up. But you know what? He could be he could be like the Poppy Lebetard on the Dan Lebetard show. You know how you know how like Poppy's just there to like add the punchline at the end of everything. Lavar could maybe do that, but I don't think Lavar on his own can carry. Uh, can carry anything like that. Well, okay, here, there's, a, there's a news guy who got in a bit of trouble, mm-hmm. a bit outspoken, Okay, doesn't have a job right now. <laughs> Lamar Ball and Bill O'Reilly. Oh, I thought you were going to say Matt Lauer for sure, but Bill O'Reilly would probably be a, a lot better, actually. Bill O'Reilly would be funnier. Bill O'Reilly and Lamar Ball, uh, an hour-long show of the two of them talking about what's going on in the world. <laughs> That's amazing. You would watch that? You would watch that show? Oh, I definitely would watch that show. Okay, I think I found this. I'm going to play this audio for you right now, Webby. Here is LeVar Ball making his second appearance on CNN. Did you learn anything since then about what the president did to help get your son out of trouble? I haven't learned anything. It was just a conversation we had. And that was it. I even sent him a pair of ZO2s. Come on now. You sent the president a pair of Red, sneakers? Red, white, and blue. Show you that we... Pre- I sent him three pairs. Three Red, pairs? white, and blue. Show him, show him that we patriotic. Yes. Did you get a thank the you? ZO2s ease him up a little bit. Hey, and didn't get a thank you. But I ain't gonna stress it out. You don't seem that happy. 1600 Pennsylvania. The shoes are there. Did you send them return receipt requested? No. That was your mistake. Because we don't know if the president got the shoes, so we don't know whether or not he refused to say thank you. He got them shoes. He know he got them shoes, and I'll tell you what, behind closed doors, I think he got them on his feet just dancing. Are they? you know what song he's singing? What song? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is not a real song. That's what song he's singing. <laughs> that is not a song. They just made one. You made that him. up, and it is not a real song. <laughs> it's a new song. It's just for him. <laughs> the ridiculous nature that your follow-up by Chris Cuomo is, that is not a real song. Like, this whole thing is not real. Like, what are you talking about? He, he's real life. <laughs> Right? Like, what a great follow-up that was. That is not a real song. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm entertained. You know, and I think that that's why I got to turn down and be like, LeVar Ball, I can't, I got to turn down on LeVar Ball needs to go away. I got to turn down on that because I'm still entertained by LeVar Ball. Now, all these decisions that he's making in terms of taking his kids out of school, I mean, and let's be real about something here. It's not really school. Like when you're going to go for four months or whatever, not even a year, you're going to go to classes for what, maybe three months and probably have someone else take every test for you anyways. So it's not like them going to UCLA was really them going to school. So let's, let's remove that sham of the conversation out of it first off. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still amused by LeVar Ball. This is an interesting choice and Hey, more power to him if it works and whatever checks he's ever, he's able to get off of this. Hopefully it works out for the kids, especially for LaMelo, because he's 16. And that, I think, is the craziest part of all that, because he is so dependent upon LeVar to still make decisions for him, right? Like, LiAngelo as well, to an extent, but LaMelo is 16. At that age, you just got to do what your parents say, pretty much, right? So I hope it works out for them. Yeah, you don't wish ill. on on any of them. So let's move on to a team that things are working out for for sure 
your Toronto Raptors. And this is our wrap it up segment where we will discuss everything that is going on with your favorite team, the Toronto Raptors. So first off, in our wrap it up segment, let's discuss the Raptors currently at the time we're taping this, winners of four in a row, winners of eight of their last 10 games, currently sit third in the East behind Cleveland and Boston. But here's the thing, Webby, their upcoming schedule, they're going on a road trip. They're at Memphis, at Sacramento, at the Clippers, at Phoenix, then home to Brooklyn and Sacramento. Could we be going streaking here? Maybe, maybe. But if not streaking, then it would be a, a disappointment if they couldn't string together, you know, a couple of wins. Yeah, like out of that, out of that six, you got to come away with at least four wins out of that, right? You, you think? Yeah, you think? And they're they're doing it by playing just really smart really disciplined basketball. I mean, you look at the box scores for some of these Raptor games, and they're sharing the ball and sharing the scoring load, and they're not putting it all on Lowry and DeRozan, like, as has been the case for the last couple of years. Like, the culture change has really taken shape here uh, with the Raptors. But I have a question for you. Yep, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm all ears. All right. You know, uh, the I've lived in Toronto for, for years and years. You still live in, in, in Toronto. A big Raptors contingent. People love the Raps. But my question is, where do the Raptors rank on your watchability rankings? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, are, are, they, are they a team mm-hmm. that you would tell people to tune in and watch for entertainment purposes? Like, I know that they're a really good team. Mm-hmm. And they win a lot. They win games that they should win. They're 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 playing well. But are they a watchable basketball team? That's a that's a tough question. And I think I'm gonna say that given the choice, there are a lot of other teams. Like I guess the term I think is it a ringer thing that they started the whole league pass team. The, the league pass teams, yeah. Yeah, like if we're if we're gonna steal that term for for this argument for argument's sake here. I'm going to say probably not. I don't think the Raptors are a league pass team. And it's not a knock because, again, they win games, but it's not the – they don't have – first off, they don't have the superstar that jumps off the screen at you. You know what I mean? It's not like you got to watch LeBron play or you got to watch KD play or, or James Harden or whatever. Like, DeMar's good. Kyle's good. But they're not that, like, top-tier superstar that it's just like, I can't miss any of these guys' games, right? Like, Russ is just a freak-of-nature athlete that just watching him is something you have to do on a nightly basis, right? So that's... Maybe the Timberwolves with the new look bringing in Jimmy Butler and having Wiggins and Cat. That's another team that you'd want to watch. Yeah, and I think the the Raptors are just kind of like... Remember, like, the Grizz a couple years ago? where they would make their runs, they'd win a couple rounds in the playoffs, but their team was like the grit and grind. And not that the Raptors are grit and grind, but I think like I, I use that example because, you know, Marc Gasol's a solid player. Zebo's a solid player. Mike Connolly's a solid player. And the sum of the parts make them a really good team, but they don't really jump off the screen at you. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think for years – because for years I, – I know, I just don't want people to get this misconstrued because for years I think the Clippers – you would argue are probably a league pass team that people would watch, but they weren't that good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like in the grand scheme of things, they weren't that good. So I think like we're, we're talking about, we want to make the dis- distinction between, you know, you want to watch Giannis play, but we know that the Raptors are better than the Bucks, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I hope I answered your question there. I know I tiptoed around it there. Cause I, I'm not, I know you're not trying to bash the Raptors cause we're not trying to bash Raptors cause you can't. They're third place in the East. Like they're they're getting it done. Some of the best basketball, I'd say, behind the Rockets, the Celtics, the Warriors, and now Pistons have even dropped off. I would say that they're right up there in terms of power rankings of how well they're playing recently. Yeah, they're doing a great job, and it was interesting. Figured it out. It was interesting because a couple things here, right? Like. We already talked about just the culture change and how we were kind of not even just us, but I think a lot of people were hesitant to see how this was going to work. Right? We're we're kind of you know 
antsy to see how it would work, but I wasn't really sure how it would work. And there was a really good breakdown this week that was done by, uh, what's his name? Jonathan Tarks in the, on the ringer. Am I pronouncing his name right? Um, yeah. So it's called Toronto's youth movement is keeping the Raptors from extinction. And the reason why to me this is a big deal was because we're saying it's the Raptors aren't a league pass team, but maybe are they becoming one? Because now this is back to back weeks where a mainstream media or U.S. media uh, entity is taking notice and writing about the Toronto Raptors. And this article was basically about the fact that uh, here's a sub the subline. Uh, the young talent on the league's deepest bench is forced away in Casey to experiment with his lineups far earlier than he usually does. It's resulted in a different kind of Raptors team than in recent years. So the whole premise of this article was talking about how the changes the Raptors need to make in their on their team, but also how with the influx of youth, because they lost so many guys last year, the Pat Pats of the world, the Corey Josephs, for example, the Damari Carrolls, they needed to rely a lot on younger players and so far it's worked i'll read a little bit of this uh article and i want to get like some of your takes on this webby so it has a legitimate claim to being the deepest team in the league with 12 players averaging at least 12 minutes per game all of whom played at least 14 games demar Derozan and kyle lowry are the only ones averaging more than 27 minutes a game uh it then goes on to talk about one of the other changes they made was swapping OG for Powell for Norm in the in the starting lineup and the Raps I think have gone 8 and 2 since that move and how OG has really been doing it big and has been a real big surprise for the Raptors someone they got late in the draft and I just want to get your take here Webby first off do you think that OG like how surprised are you at how good OG is? I know you're an NCAA guy and you know you you would have known who he was, but you might not have known that much about him coming into the league. But like how how surprised are you so far? Not surprised. Like I, I honestly I'm surprised that he fell to the Raptors. Yeah. But he was dealing with the injury coming out of Indiana, but this dude could play defense and and, and get to the rim at Indiana. Like, mm-hmm. He's a real deal prospect with the Hoosiers. Yeah. The Raptors are so lucky that he had that, that injury uh, like towards the end of that season to, for him to slip to the, to the Raptors. Because he is just the perfect fit. If you look at the way that the Raptors have drafted over the past two, three years with guys like Siakam mm-hmm. and Turtle, I don't want to say he's, he's different than Norm. But he's a little like Norm in so much as he's athletic and can can do a lot more than you think he can do. Yeah, you touched on it, right? The youth movement of, of what they were able to do. Because I think this is a very important point that you, you just made there, Webby. Just talking about what they were able to do with not-so-high draft picks, right? So yeah. we mentioned OG. He was taken with the 23rd pick. Norm, you also mentioned, he was a second-round pick at 46th overall. Then he got... Pascal Siakam, which we'll also get to because they touched on him in that article as well. And remember, Freddie Van Fleet, who's become a very key part of this team, he's an undrafted free agent. So those are like steals made by Masai Ujiri at like very like high value, high value uh, picks made by Masai Ujiri. Almost covers up the fact that Bruno is still two years away from being two years away in the D League. But we'll let that slide when you make like when you hit on. Four guys like that that are key cogs in your rotation, like that is that is crazy. And we we praise Masai a lot. We call Masai a gangster, but like I don't know if he gets enough praise for how he's been able to pull this move off of getting all these guys to fit in. Because we're not even mentioning uh, Jakob Pertl because he was a high draft, a quote unquote high draft pick. You know what I mean? But. How has Masai been able to do that? Like, it's a credit to him and the the scouting staff, right? Yeah, it's just an eye for talent. And, I mean, the, the Van Fleet thing is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, like, this is a guy that you and I, like, uh, I mean, I watch a little more college basketball than maybe the person next door to me here in London, Ontario. But Fred Van Fleet was a guy who played for four years yeah. on a team that made it deep into the tournament every year. And how often do we see this in other sports? With guys who uh, who get counted out because they're too small. Yeah, you can't count 
found out the size of a guy's heart. I know it's cliche to say, but Van Vliet being a real NBA player is, again, same with OG. Not that big a surprise to me. Yeah, I, actually, Webby, it's so funny you bring this up because I was having this exact conversation with one of our buddies, Parco, uh, earlier this week, like just a couple days ago, talking about Freddie Van Fleet and how, you know, as cliche as it sounds, the fact that he's played in these big time situations, right? He's played in like, you know, Elite Eight, Sweet 16 games, like big time, high stakes basketball games where winning matters. In comparison to a lot of NBA prospects where you have their one and done, right? Which means they probably only played one season, maybe got to the tournament, maybe played one game or two. And like the stakes between one tournament game to an Elite Eight tournament game, do you know what I mean? Once we're talking about that second weekend of the tournament, like the stakes are so much higher, right? There's just such another level of maturity to show that like, you're not scared of anything. You're not afraid of any moment. Once you've been in that situation, that Freddie Van Fleet and his boy, uh, your boy, Ron Barker, Ron Baker, Baker. Ronnie Baker, right? Like that, that's so crazy when you're able to get, you know, something that's not that prevalent anymore in the NCAA, those senior guards. Right. But it's so cool to see these things work out for the Toronto Raptors because I feel like for a while there, they had moments where they weren't really getting that much from their draft picks, right? Where you think of the Joey Grahams and like, you know? Look that far. Look at their starting center. Ooh, shots fired. You talk about it every year. Yeah. Out the year. They're looking to unload Jonas Valanciunas, but they can't get the value back from them. So it's it's super interesting, but another part, like later on in that article, they talk about the most interesting lineup for the Toronto Raptors might be playing Siakam with Serge Ibaka at center, just because Siakam can play four or small ball five, and I mean... The fact that Siakam at 6'9", 230, he can already guard. He can guard certain threes. He can obviously guard fours and fives. But it's just a ball movement type thing that, you know, it's quicker paced than it would be with Jonas Valanciunas in the lineup. And the, the biggest thing was having Siakam with OG out there and just how crazy you know, wingspanny, you know, I'm making up that word, but you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like the defensive, like the defensive possibilities when you have OG and Pascal and Serge all out there at the same time, like that is kind of crazy. And if you leave that with Lowry and DeRozan out there gunning, I mean, that's a team that can kind of play in any situation in the playoffs. And Again, we know you're going to have to deal with guys like Giannis. You're going to have to deal with LeBron. You're going to have to deal with uh, Ben Simmons or Jalen Brown, right? Like you're going to have to deal with serious wing players. And so getting guys like that who are long, who are athletic, who can switch and switch on any guy, right? And like play multiple positions. Masai's done a great job. When you, when you think of the difference between now their perimeter guys compared to two, three years ago when you're worried about like what is Terrence Ross? You know what I mean? At least you know what you're going to get from OG night after night, right? Yeah, exactly. Consistency, right? Consistency. Bare minimum, you're going to get a hardworking guy on defense. You might not always see what he does on the box score, but when you're when you're watching him play, oh, it's crazy. It's so crazy. And it, it's a great thing to watch for the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, we, we discussed the whole who would you give up to try to get Marc Gasol type thing. I mean, as much as it doesn't look like that is a possibility, just because I still say you do it just because of Lowry and DeRozan. And since you invested in them, you might as well go all in and, and, and give them the chance to make some real noise. And you would do that by adding another all-star in Marc Gasol. But I mean, if you're playing the other side, where we get the feeling that Masai's playing that middle game, right? Where where he's kind of okay, I'm in, but while I'm in the game now, I'm kind of I got I got all these kids cooking, right? I got all these kids cooking, and if something pops up, you know, maybe it turns into a Danny Ainge situation where you have these assets just there, right? And like if they turn into something, they turn into something, but you know. In the meantime, they're there, they're cooking, they're developing, and the kids look good. The kids are doing it big for the Toronto Raptors right now.
It's one of those things now where we always got to trust in Messiah. We cannot doubt Messiah anymore, right? Those days, like not that we ever did, but there were kind of pe- there were a lot of people. We weren't the only ones raising their eyebrows, kind of wondering, like, is this really going to work? And no, I mean, a quarter of the way through the season, Messiah looks like a genius. Absolutely, absolutely. And they, I mean, they just had to get younger. They had to turn that culture around and 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 try and keep up with what's going on in the NBA. Messiah's a smart guy with a great eye for talent, so we had to trust in Messiah. You're absolutely right. Interesting times for the Raptors, and as we mentioned, you know they got an easy sked coming up, so maybe they could be going on a run. And again, check out that article right now on the Ringer. Uh, it's called Toronto's Youth Movement is Keeping the Raptors from Extinction. Check it out. Great read. A lot of great numbers and insights into exactly what Messiah and company have done and how all the pieces have fit in perfectly so far this season. Uh, I'm going to give you a little Sixers corner time, Webby. We teased it because earlier today, there was a trade made. By your Philadelphia 76ers. The day has come where they finally have traded Jaleel Okafor and Nick Stauskas and a second round pick to the Brooklyn Nets for Trevor Booker. Let's be real. This was a second round pick for Trevor Booker. Whoa! You're going to do my man Nick Stauskas like that? What value does Nick Stauskas have? <laughs> <laughs> He's Mr. Street Clothes on the bench. So your thoughts on Trevor Booker coming in to your squad. How do you see him fitting in? Listen, Trevor Booker's a guy that's been around the league, obviously a good locker room guy, not somebody who's going to go out and get you 20 and 10 every game. He had one of the best trick shots in NBA history mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when he was with the Jazz. <laughs> yes. Uh, he inbound late with the shot clock, and he did the volleyball. Uh, <laughs> he did a, you know, the, the volleyball uh, service into the net. It was one of the wildest shots I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the Sixers and Brian Colangelo see something in him, and maybe he can uh, be another uh, whisperer to these young kids who are currently uh, about to tie the game against the Lakers right now. If MP can hit two free throws here with under a minute to go. Uh, but yeah, listen, um, Jalil Okafor had zero value. And Nick Stauskas, you know, is maybe the only person on the Sixers with less value than Okafor. Let's go, tie game. So, um, you know, we'll see. The the only thing is, is like, as we just talked about with the Raptors, like second-round picks in the NBA are nothing to scoff at anymore. Uh, yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. I mean, it all depends on your, your scouting team and how good of a job they do, obviously. But I really think Trevor Booker is a good pickup for a really young Sixers team because it, it's adding a grown-up, which is something we talked about last week. But he's just a solid NBA player. He's going to play defense. He's going to like get you those grit plays, kind of like a, a low-level P.J. Tucker type thing. You know what I mean? He's going to dive on the ground and make those like winning basketball plays. Oh, I know what just happened. My TV was way ahead of yours, and I just didn't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> oh, we're taping this right at the end of the Sixers game. <laughs> and what just happened was Lonzo Ball finding Brandon Ingram for the go-ahead three-pointer. And it was so funny because... Fucking... <laughs> I swear to you, Webby, as I was watching, as I was listening to you, I could hear you talking, but I could sense you also watching the game. And so I didn't want to say anything because I saw the three-pointer happen. And I'm like, oh, his TV's clearly behind mine. I'm just going to let this play out and see what happens. Oh, no. It's amazing. No, no, no. It's amazing. I'm leaving this in. Why would I take this out? But, I mean, Trevor Booker, not a big deal, but still a solid move, a solid pickup. One of those little... One of those little things that could really help a young team as, you know, maybe it'll help them not blow games against home games against crappy teams like the Lakers. But, you know. (laughs) Maybe if Triple Booker was up there, we would have lost at home to the Lakers. (laughs) Time will tell. But we will wrap up this podcast the same way we wrap up every episode of Ball on Blast with... My favorite segment, the Ask on Blast segment. Today, this question comes from Pat. And Pat wants to know, quote, 
I know you guys are hip hop heads, so I want to know your thoughts on a Mace Killacam beef in the year 2017. Webby? Uh, like, what year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ari, first off, have you heard these diss tracks? I have not. So, why would I listen to who started uh, Mace came out of the woodworks and just made a diss track against Cam and said all types of outlandish things. And again, much like you, I swear I saw this come across my timeline so many times. I'm like, no, I'm not buying into this. There's no way that I'm about to listen to a Mace track in the year 2017. It's just not something I'm prepared to do. So Mace releases a track. I read, obviously, tweets which said, you know, Mace had some, like, outlandish comments talking about Cam sleeping with his sister or something when Cam doesn't even have a sister. Like, all types of just stupid shit going on. But what else would you expect from a guy who called himself Murder Mace, then became a pastor, then became a pastor rapper, and then went back to just being a rapper? So who who knows what's going on? But... Yeah, I got no time for this Killicam Mace beef in the year 2017. But was, was Mace ever in Cameron's galaxy as a rapper? See, this is great. Web, see, Webby, this is this is super interesting because while I did not listen to any of these uh, diss tracks, I did happen to stumble upon the Joe Bun podcast. Which I don't know how much you, you check out or if you have checked it out. It is it is somewhat hilarious. I won't lie, but they were having this conversation because they were crushing Charlemagne the God because uh, Cameron was on the Breakfast Club and in this whole thing because Cam- uh, Charlemagne doesn't like Mace, right? They had a little altercation a couple years ago in Miami where Mace tried to like run up on him with his goons or some shit like that. Some stupid ass story. But anyways. Charlemagne went off this on this wild tangent about how Mace was so whack and Mace isn't even a top five, wasn't even a top five lyricist on the bad boy label. <laughs> Which to me just turned bring up the bring up the bad boy label here. So this led to a whole debate where the Joe Budden podcast was then forced to call up Charlemagne to question him on the legitimacy of that statement. So I bring the question to you. Webby, is Mace a top five lyricist on the bad boy label, for one, and two, (laughs) because this was the follow-up question, is Mace's Harlem World a classic hip-hop album? (laughs) I love that response. That's so good. He's not about Craig Mace did not put flavor in my ear. Mace does not have a song that comes close to the classic that is flavor in your ear, right? Like, there's no, there's no chance that. No, no. No. Why are we talking about this? Yes. I I want next week. Okay. Where we bring our top five albums of the year. I like that. I like that. Can we do this? Deal. I'm I'm sure we're gonna have crossover. But my number one, I don't think you made. No, don't, 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 no. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say it. I was going to say, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. We'll save it. That's a tease. I won't ruin it. Next week, top five albums of the year. And you know what? Ask on Blast, send us your list of your top five albums of the year as well. And maybe we'll read them at the end of the segment next week. But the, the one that the, the music thing that I do want to bring up though, and, and I, I could have put this in TV, but this isn't a music podcast, it's a basketball podcast. Hey, that's allowed. I want to ask you mm-hmm. the other day, Drake posts a picture of my man, MF Doom. Oh, I missed that. I totally missed that. He tweets the line, keep one eye out like I, I, Captain. Yes. And he tweets the goat emoji. <laughs> so then the, the internet exploded with, oh my god, is our Drake and MF Doom collaborating? Ooh, and and has there been a follow-up? Do we know what, what the deal is? No, I don't know what the deal is yet. He, I, you know, obviously Drake's a man of good taste. Mm-hmm. And he just had to shout out the greatest of all time, MF Doom. Okay, okay. That, I, if, if there is a Drake MF Doom collaboration in the works, 
I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> it would be like it would be like I'm trying to think. Uh, who's my least favorite? Who's basketball player I love to hate the most? It would be like if Steph Curry joined the Raptors or joined the Raptors in the Sixers. <laughs> you know, what would I do? I'd have to root for this guy. I don't want to have to like Drake, but a Drake um, collaboration would be like Jesus. I don't know. Two completely different things coming together in such a way that's delicious, like Chicago mix popcorn. <laughs> Cheddar and caramel go together, but for some reason, this is amazing. Webby, that is amazing. That is amazing. That would be a great collaboration. Just like I, I hope the viewers think or the listeners think that this was a great collaboration between me and you, Webby, on another episode of the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Again, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram, Sheldon Alexander. I am Andrew Webster and you can find me espousing the virtues of the MF Doom and complaining about calls that go against Philadelphia sports teams on all social media at awebster84. Uh, sorry, as you just mentioned, all your, your Philly sports teams, whatever their game was, they did do the split screen. Prince Harry and Carson Wentz, I didn't see that. And right away I was like, ah, that's what Webby was talking about. That's the goodness that we give you here on the Ball on Blast podcast. Yes, I love it. Until next week, see ya. Peace. Ball on Blast.